global boiling, or is it a global religion? United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres has left the term global warming by the wayside and tells reporters now that the era of global boiling has arrived for planet Earth. And he says this is just the beginning. Now, the occasion is that on July 27th, his comments were made after the European Union's Copernicus Program for Earth Observation stated that the first three weeks in July were the warmest three-week period on record. Not only so, but the World Meteorological Association, an agency within the United Nations, also drew attention to the Copernicus Era 5 data. So the comments also came days after a buoy in Manatee Bay, Florida, apparently gave a preliminary temperature reading of over 101 degrees Fahrenheit and possible world record for that portion of the world. Other buoys in the vicinity, however, recorded temperatures in the upper 90s. Now, the whole point of all of this is that global boiling is here. It's a hot summer. We've got to do something about it. Antonio Guterres tells us that you're the problem. I'm the problem. We've got to stop what we're doing. We have to stop living the lives that we have lived. So the NOAA, National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, also has joined the chorus, and they report that marine heat waves are being experienced across much of the world's oceans, including around southern Florida, North Atlantic, near the United Kingdom. But as just mentioned, you are to blame. For scientists, here's Guterres' own words, for scientists... It is unequivocal, humans are to blame. Now, he could have been more pointed because what he means to say is that Americans are to blame or people in the West are to blame, and we have to curtail our fossil fuel usage. So the hysteria has caught on. It is a hot summer, but the hysteria has now caught on. Enough delaying, enough half measures, writes one person. This is Catherine McKenna on X. That was, of course, what Twitter used to be called. Enough delaying, enough half measures, enough with concessions to fossil fuel interest. Leaders need to lead now on climate. That's former Canadian Environment Climate Change Minister Catherine McKenna. Wow, global boiling, even more alarming than code red. I wonder who comes up with this stuff for Guterres, climate scientist Judith Curry wrote also on the site called X. So all of this is amid and preface to the UN climate meetings that are approaching very quickly. All they're doing is getting set for and getting the public set for what they're going to come out with as far as recommendations and pressures upon countries. And of course, we know that Joe Biden is going to be right on board with it. Pressures on countries to curtail the climate agenda, climate climate usage, or rather curtailed fossil fuel usage because we're heating the climate up. A press release associated with the Secretary General's comments called for climate action now. And so this includes the next UN climate change conference is going to take place in Dubai late November, early December. Now there is a group called the Group of 20, that's the G20, and this is what Gutierrez is going to is going to convene and they're going to make recommendations and policies for people such as member states such as the United Nations. Simon Steele, the executive secretary for the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change, that's UNFCCC, and president of the Dubai summit, Sultan Al-Jaber, following a G20 climate meeting 
in India saw conflict over the proposed phase-down of fossil fuels. And here's what Al-Jaber had to say. Together we must take necessary steps to accelerate our inevitable decarbonization in a responsible manner while enabling energy access for all, promoting sustainable development, supporting just transition, tripling global renewal energy capacity, doubling the rate of energy efficiency improvements across sectors by 2030, including ramping up electrification, enhanced cooling approaches is critical to enable this. That's what the joint statement reads. That was El Jaber, as well as the Simon Steele, the president of the Dubai summit. So Mr. Guterres comes in. Remember, he used to be a Portuguese the leader, by the way, of the Socialist Party in Portugal, and he formerly served as that prime minister, he wants the rapid elimination of the usage of coal, fossil fuels, particularly by the Western countries. In January 2022, Gutierrez said at a meeting at the World Economic Forum, for example, that no new coal plants should be built. So in March of that year, soon after Russia invaded Ukraine, that sent shockwaves through the global energy markets, writes the Epic Times. Guterres de declared that those in the private sector still financing coal must be held to account, calling coal a stupid investment. Must be held to account. What does he have in mind? He has in mind, of course, reparations. We'll talk about that in just a moment. So what about all of this? Not so fast. While many scientists believe that human activity is driving global warming, not all scientists agree, number one, on the existence of global warming, number two, on the severity of it, number three, that it is man-made a climate change, and let alone the appropriate action to remedy the problem. 2022, there's a, a statement signed by over 1,100 scientists, professionals, declaring there is no climate emergency. It's amazing, isn't it? But here's an exclusive interview that the Epic Times had with another scientist, a Nobel Prize-winning physicist on the climate agenda. His name is John Clauser. This was in the Epic Times that came out just this week. And he had a speech that was supposed to take place at the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, but when they heard what he had to say about the climate, they canceled his speech. So here's how the article reads. Nobel Prize winning physicist John Clauser, who is, of course, awarded that prize because of his research in quantum mechanics. He told the Epic Times that in early research on quantum mechanics, he was always operating against opposition. And he continues to operate against opposition. Today, the 80-year-old scientist is up against the establishment. He's violating the basic taboo that has become one of the biggest in science and politics, and that is, of course, the political green machine. He said, I am, I guess, what you would call a climate change denial or denialist, as Clauser told the Epic Times. And here's something else interesting. Speaking at South Korea, he was elected, by the way, to the board of directors of the CO2 Coalition. He said... I believe that climate change is not a crisis. That was this year, 2023, Quantum Korea. He also describes the UN International or Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, the IPCC. Listen to this. 
as one of the most, or worst rather, sources of dangerous information. One of the worst sources of dangerous information, that is the United Nations Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. So contrary to the IPCC and other major institutions, he argues that climate is primarily set by what he refers to as the cloud cover thermostat. Well, what is that? He calls it a self-regulating process whereby more clouds start to enshroud the earth when the temperature is too high and vice versa. And so although he accepts observations showing that atmospheric carbon dioxide is increasing, he said he believes that gases effect on heat transfer is swamped by a great natural cloud cycle. And here are his words. The carbon dioxide may or may not be made by human beings. It doesn't really matter where it comes from. It may or may not. Pretty, pretty blunt, pointed statement. He goes on to say that he believes the objective science and climate has been sacrificed to politics. This is exactly what we've been talking about on the radio and on a podcast for years. That is, objective science has been sacrificed to politics. That's why Barack Obama will stand up and say the debate is over when there has been no debate. We have not heard from the other side. Lord Moncton, who is from England, went to the United Nations and one of the climate agendas, and he wanted to speak. They kicked him out. They wouldn't let him talk. That doesn't sound like open discussion, open dialogue. It has nothing to do with the scientific method. It has nothing to do with real debate and discussion and rational thinking. It has to do with power and control and socialistic silence in the opposition. That's what's going on with the United Nations. So he also went on to say, this is speaking back to Clauser. He said, we're talking about trillions of dollars, adding that powerful people don't want to hear that they've made trillion dollar mistakes. Well, I'm going to take it further than that. Not only do they not want to hear it, but they refuse to let you speak it. Not only so, but they made the decision because they're following a socialistic worldview from the beginning. They made that decision long ago before they even had the money. And the only reason they have money from the United States is because we have so many socialists in power in Washington, D.C., who transfer our money to the United Nations unconstitutionally in order to drive the climate agenda or the climate change agenda. That's what's happening. Now, as I mentioned at the outset of this particular segment, Clauser was supposed to speak of the International Monetary Fund. But concerns were raised at the IMF. That's one of the branches of the United Nations, globalist bank. And so they said, well, we better not let him come speak. So he was slated to speak at the IMF July 25th. But they canceled his speech. And they said, well, we will reschedule later on. So Clauser told the Epic Times he received an email indicating that the IMF's Independent Evaluation Office Director, Pablo Moreno, didn't want to talk to go forward on that day. Really? We know why. We're, re- we're working to reschedule, said Moreno. Reschedule after the summer. But no new date has been set. John Clauser, Dr. Nobel Prize recipient, is not going to speak before the IMF. I'm going to say, I'm going to venture to say, they're not going to have him come speak because he goes against 
what these socialists and the globalist green agenda actually want. Back to the John Clauser story, the Nobel Prize recipient for physics in 2022, board member for the CO2 Coalition. You know, he was canceled from speaking at the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, because he's a climate skeptic, according to the, the powers that be, the United Nations. And the International Monetary Fund is an arm of the United Nations. So no new date has been set. Clauser probably won't be asked to speak at all. I'm going to say he's not going to be. Patrick Moore is a climate skeptic. It's interesting that Patrick Moore was at one time a climate activist and was a co-founder of Greenpeace. Patrick Moore, by the way, you need to follow him on Twitter or X. You need to follow him because he has some good material. Patrick Moore said this regarding Clauser. Clauser has been canceled as a confirmed speaker of July 25th International Monetary Fund. They say his speech was postponed, but don't hold your breath. In other words, it's not going to take place. Now, this is going to happen just like Robert Kennedy Jr. Robert Kennedy Jr. has been blocked out by the Democratic controlling, the socialist controlling our country. Same thing with John Clauser. Now, here's something else interesting. Back in 2018, there was a COP, a COP24 conference, UN Climate Change Conference, and they came out with a climate change report. And the Climate Change Conference, of course, sponsored by the United Nations, United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres from socialist country, and he was a leader of a socialist party, a socialist through and through. He tells us after that COP24, I think it was held in Katowice, Poland. At any rate, that was in December or November, December, I think, 2018. And Antonio Guterres said that the whole goal I want you to get this. This is a direct quote. Is to transform the world. That is the climate agenda. The green globalist agenda is designed to transform the world. And as he put it, now this is a direct quote also. Restructure every aspect of human life. Restructure every aspect of human life. That is an amazing statement. And they call it, of course, sustainable development. So the United Nations Framework Convention on Climate Change, the UNFCC, the secretary in 2012 was Christiana Figueres. She said it this way, we want a complete transformation of the economic structure of the world. Now get that for just a moment. For those of you who may think that there's something to this man-made climate crisis that's going on, and that we need somehow, but by the way, just like, just like Joe Biden's agenda today and the state of Connecticut, I believe they said by 2035 that we don't want to have any more gas powered cars because we're all in on eliminating fossil fuels because this is of course the mantra. This is the doctrine to which they're marching today. This is how Christiana Figueres said it, complete transformation of the economic structure of the world. What does that mean? Well, it means, as they said in Katowice, Poland, they expect a wealth transfer from the Western countries, that is the United States, to the Eastern countries, such as China, 
up to the tune of $100 billion. As a matter of fact, the Paris Climate Accord calls for reparations, that is, climate reparations. Now, we've talked about the craziness in the state of California, where California is suggesting they have a reparations task force that is suggesting that white people pay money to those who are people of color because the people of color have been disenfranchised somehow in the past or because of the history of slavery in the nation, California having had nothing to do with that at all, nor anybody living today, period, but be that as it may, that's what they call for. That's, that is skewed thinking. That is, that is non-thinking thinking. That is people who have pickled their minds in socialism. And they've also said in California, off the beaten track here for a moment, they've also said in California, the reparations task force just came out last week and said, what, what we want to do is we want, and we want to recommend for the state of California that penalties be lessened for people of color than people that are white people for committing the same crimes. So, we're not going to even pretend that we want even-handed, blind justice, that is, individual assessment of penalties, crimes and penalties, and even-handed distribution of the penalties. But they say, we're, we're going to be done with that. We want lesser penalties for people of color. Why? Because they have been disenfranchised somehow in the past, and so it's going to make up for that by skewing the justice system now. Absolutely, absolutely nuts. They have lost their thinking. They have no rational capacity. There's a Democratic supermajority in California. That's what's going on in California, but it looks like Californians have come on to the UN Climate at Paris Accord and the UN Climate Change Conference, and they're represented by people like Cristiana Figueres and Antonio Guterres, who say we want wealth transfer. This is what it's about. Wealth transfer from the United States reparations to pay foreign countries in order, to be, in order to make up for the climate change disaster that America has supposedly caused. Now that's what's going on. It's absolutely, it's absolutely a socialistic nightmare. It is a socialistic plan. Now you might want to think about the science in it for just a moment. There is no real science in it. Just as we've noted in the first segment, there's no real science in it at all because they don't have any open discussion. They don't have any free flow of ideas. So the Friends of Science is a Canada-based organization. And they have a special report called SR15. They point out that the entire climate agenda, that is the global warming, the climate change agenda, is built upon faulty premises. And they tell us that the sun is the main driver of climate change, not CO2. How about this man, Dr. Niels Axel Morner, former IPCC editor, retired from Stockholm University. He tells us that all talk about disastrous sea level rise by 2100 is nothing but scaremongering, deliberate harassment of the public by the IPCC. That's, once again international organization fostered by the United Nations and its media proponents. He warned that the UN 
is doing this, and he warned the UN themselves, but they refused to correct their flaws. Why? Because power is that which corrupts, and it corrupts absolutely. That's Dr. Nils Axel Mortar. He is a former IPCC editor, retired Stockholm University professor. Here's Dr. Lubas Mottel, a Harvard University physicist. What did he tell us? Well, he said, the report that comes out of the IPCC of the United Nations regarding man-made or man-caused global warming, global climate change is, and here's his words, garbage. It's not true. All of this fear-mongering, he tells us, his word again, nonsense. Climate fear-mongers, you become some of the most dishonest as well as useless people in the Earth's history. Once again, those are the words of Dr. Lubas, model of Harvard University. How about Professor Richard Lindzen, MIT meteorology professor emeritus? Here is his statement logging in on the same issue. This is aimed at overturning industrial civilization. Boy, that is that can be said again. Because that is exactly what's taking place. This is aimed at overturning industrial civilization. He spoke at London several years ago and warned that this will reduce public trust in science because it is all blatantly false. That's exactly where we are. Not only do we mistrust and distrust politicians, but we are now mistrusting so-called science because it is skewed, they're skewing their results in order to drive a socialistic wealth transfer agenda and making America poorer while building China up. Do you ever wonder why China is always on the rise, is always doing better? Our American politicians have already started the wealth transfer. How about Dr. Bjorn Lomborg, Copenhagen Consensus Center Director? He accepts the UN man-made global warming premises, but says it is absurd to transform the world economy. It is incredibly expensive, and it will help us very, very little. Now he, because he said that, he's earned their undying hostility to the global climate change people. These are all world-class scientists, and there are others also 1,100 of them, as I mentioned earlier, signing statements to say all of this is non-scientific, unscientific, it's political, and it is involved in itself, itself in socialism and wealth transfer. It's not, therefore, anything other than a new global green religion pushed by the United Nations. Now, before we launch into the green religion and showing you how that environmentalism really takes on today the color of a religion. It really is a, a paganistic neo-Canaanite religion. And before we look at that, I want to make a couple of announcements. First of all, you might find us, this is a patriotic pulpit. You'll find us on Spotify app. You can find us also on uh, Amazon Music app, also on YouTube. So you can go to patriotic pulpit. You can find us in those locations. So I hope you go there. You can go to the website if you'd like. It's American Liberty with Bill Lockwood. You may be able to support the program, uh, small donations, $5, $10, anything that you have that would be very much appreciated. Uh, so anyway, those that's how you get in touch with me. Now you can also 
uh, go to where I preach, and that is the uh, the website of where I preach, and that is the Iowa Park Church of Christ in Iowa Park, Texas. And so it is the iowaparkcoc.org. Uh, you can also go to Bible Studies with Bill Lockwood. You can find my sermons up there, uh, uploaded there. You can find sermons. And uh, this weekend, as a matter of fact, by the time this is aired, I'll have had a debate. The debate was is with Holger Neubauer. He is a renegade preacher in the Churches of Christ who now holds what is called hyper-realized eschatology, and that is hyper-preterism, which basically says that all end-time things have already been fulfilled. The second coming of Christ, the entrance into heaven and hell, all of that was fulfilled somehow at the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70. So we'll be having a debate Friday and Saturday, Friday night, Saturday day, on that particular issue. Now, I do appreciate him for this because there's not many people who want to stand up and defend what they believe. Not many people want to come to the polemic platform and do that, but uh, Neubauer is not of that nature. So I'm happy for that and I appreciate him on that. So thinking about environmentalism and what we've talked about, the global boiling and all of these things, I wanted to reach back and think about how actually what we're facing today is an environmental green gospel. That is, it is a religious-oriented movement that is seeking to destroy Christianity, and that it is an attack on Christianity. We're going to talk about that in just a few moments. So let's just kind of set it up this way. Jean-Jacques Rousseau, the prophet of the French Revolution, insisted that no state has ever been established without a religious basis. And that I believe to be true, and that is all states, all political entities are established on some kind of a religious basis. And that was true of the murderous French Revolution, Rousseau's civic religion, as he called it. It is also true of the American Constitutional Republic, which was rooted in principles of individual liberty, accountability to God of the Bible. And that's how our founding fathers referred to us as a Christian nation. It's kind of interesting, however, that in the wake of socialism, the onslaught of socialism, which began actually in Woodrow Wilson's administration and carried on in the 1970s now, 1974, David Miller was part of the Death of God movement. He was a theologian of sorts, and he was part of the Death of God movement in the 1960s. He's, he became a polytheist, that is a believer in many gods. And like other radical theologians, he said that, Christianity has got to be replaced. We're replacing Christianity. And with what was he going to replace it? Environmentalism, the green gospel. Here's, here is his words. The announcement of death of God was the obituary of a useless, single-minded, one-dimensional norm of civilization that has been predominantly monotheistic, not only its religion, but also its politics, its history, its social order, its ethics, its psychology. That is from Peter Jones in his book, Spirit Wars, which was written several years ago, mentioning and quoting David Miller in 1974. But you notice this, that David Miller recognized that they needed to attack what he called the one-dimensional norm of civilization, and that is that there is one God. So what do they want to replace the belief in God with? What is called biocentrism. Biocentrism tells us that man is not the center of the universe, that the universe and the environment and all of the resources that God has placed on it, 
not for man to utilize, not for man to dominate and have dominion over. We'll talk about that passage in a few moments. That's from Genesis 1 and 28. But instead, we have biocentrism, that is, everyone is of equal value, and so also are the animals, so also is the river, so also the mountains, the trees, etc. So what has happened is that the environmental movement has been about from the beginning, and we'll talk about this a little bit more here, to attack the biblical-oriented worldview. Biblical values are completely under attack by environmentalism. So let's talk about those biblical values for just a moment. The Bible teaches at the very beginning in the creation that God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. That's Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Now, there are two words there that have a special value here for us, and that is the word image, and that is the word likeness. Man was not like any other creation that God made. It is only man that was created in God's image and after his likeness. That's the nature and the constitution of man. So that shows that man has a distinguishing characteristic. So also, man has liberty. That's an extension of our lives because man cannot sustain himself alone. That is without resources. God gave man the creation to utilize it, to use it. And so the liberty was given to man to dress it and to keep it. That's Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15. Man was to be a caretaker of it. But out of that also flows the concept of private property. My work is the labor of my hands, and it is that it is extension of myself. The United States Supreme Court, for example, declared that property rights are fundamental civil rights. That was a celebrated 1972 case called Lynch versus Household Finance. The statement exactly is this. The right to liberty is inseparable to the right to property. Notice it is a right to liberty and it's a right to property. That is to say that I don't have property as a right existing within myself. That is, I own something automatically, but I have a right to accumulate property. And one cannot exist without the other. That is, liberty cannot exist without property, and property cannot exist without liberty. That's why we're seeing the curtailing of our liberty and the curtailing of our property rights right now in the country, because socialism denies a biblical-oriented worldview. So in Genesis 1.28, God said, Be fruitful to man be, and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over it, over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves upon the earth. Let them have dominion. What is dominion? Dominion means that man is to rule it, man is to utilize it. The word is also associated with it. The word preceding that one is subdue it. So dominion is given to man. That is, man has sovereignty over the created universe. Privileges and responsibilities of man is to be utilizing it. It's not to say that man is to squander this. It's not to say that man is to destroy the resources because man is to be a steward of the creation that God gave us. And that should make us thankful. It should make us content with what God gave us. But let's just notice how the environmental movement has a different gospel, and it begins, its ground floor is the repudiation, the rejection of New Testament Christianity and a biblical concept of worldview. So, for example, Al Gore and the Earth in the Balance, 
tells us very plainly, he rewrites the Genesis account to fit his own agenda. He says, well, not every, uh, not only man rather has the image of God. Everything has the image of God. That of course is false. He doesn't even know what he's talking about. He just wants to re, he has to rewrite the biblical account of creation in order to get his own green agenda off the floor. And that goes on and on. So many people in the environmental movement exactly do the same thing. So the environmental movement, which is a biocentric worldview, has what is called a democratic ecosystem. And they call it a war on the West. It's an ideological struggle between traditional American concept of property rights, individual rights, managed to be the caretaker, the steward of the creation. Instead, it has been being replaced by everything is of equal value and man is no more valuable than a free-flowing river, a beautiful mountain, or a pine tree, or whatever it may be. So just to show you how this has become embedded in the environmental movement, I want you to think about the 1992 Biodiversity Treaty at the UN Summit. And here's how the biocentric worldview was given to us by the United Nations. And you tell me whether you think this comes from the Genesis account, which you know it doesn't, or it comes from Al Gore's apostasy view, and that is that man is only a part of nature, a web of life, and he's no more valuable than anything else. So here's the biocentric worldview for the Biodiversity Treaty, 1992. Listen to this. Nature has an integral set of values. That is nature, cultural, spiritual, material. Where humans are one strand in nature's web and all living creatures are considered equal. Therefore, the natural way is the right and human activity should be molded along nature's rhythms. Now, who do you think they are following here? They're tracking along with Al Gore or are they tracking along with Genesis? Well, you know the answer to that. They're tracking along with apostate Al Gore, who himself tries to rewrite the account of Genesis. So we have, from that moment forward, so we have so many people in the environmental movement that have absolutely assaulted the Genesis account. For example, let's just mention a few. Stephen Rockefeller of Middlebury College several years ago, a theology professor, no less, an environmentalist says, in a biocentric approach, the rights of nature are defended first and foremost on the grounds of the intrinsic value of animals, plants, rivers, mountains, ecosystems, rather than simply on the basis of their utilitarian value or benefit to humans. He is specifically repudiating the Genesis account and a biblical model, a biblical worldview. David Graeber, research biologist of National Park Service, wrote in the 1990s, human happiness and certainly human fecundity are not only as important as wild and a healthy planet. I know social scientists who remind me that people are a part of nature, but that is not true. Somewhere along the line, at about a million years ago, that's his evolutionary worldview there, maybe half, we quit the contract, we became a cancer. We have become a plague upon ourselves and upon the earth. Until such time as Homo sapiens should decide to rejoin nature, some of us can only hope for the right virus to come along. That's David Graeber. That's National Park Service research biologist. He wants a right, a, the right virus to come along. Sounds like someone 
planning for the pandemic that occurred two years ago. They wanted that to occur. Now, David Graeber didn't volunteer himself to be the first to punch out of life, but he wants the right virus to come along because we're the cancer to society. The Clinton administration in the 1990s, the federal bureaucracy he had was staffed with numerous adherents to the biocentric worldview. Besides Al Gore, EPA Chief Carol Brown, Interior Secretary Bruce Babbitt, Alton Chase, in his book, In a Dark Wood, The Fight Over Forest and Rising Tyranny and of Ecology, describes all of these officials that would be Al Gore, Carol Brown, who is the EPA chief under Clinton, Interior Secretary Bruce Babbitt, all of those people as apostles of the order, and observed that they wasted little time inaugurating the new faith. Interesting, isn't it? It's exactly what I've been saying. It's all a religious-oriented view. New faith. So the administration, this is Alton Chase writing, tells us under the rubric of reinventing government adopted biocentrism as the guiding philosophy of all federal land management. So from the 1990s, you see they set it up many years before. They brought all the power into Washington, D.C. Then they adopted a a biocentric worldview that is a paganistic neo-Canaanite worldview. They brought it into the Clinton administration and it became mandated. And so from the 1990s forward, you see it, they took the cloaks off and they made it very plain that they're about paganism and that is honoring the environment above man. And they even say it that way. Reed Ross, the developer of the Wildlands Project, this was in 2010, said, the native ecosystems and the collective needs of non-human species must take precedence over the needs and desires of humans. Amazing, isn't it? So humans, they're lower on the totem pole than the collective needs of non-human species and native ecosystems. Maurice Strong at the Earth Summit this back in 1992 said this, Isn't it the only hope for the planet that the industrial nations will collapse? Isn't it our responsibility to bring that about? We're seeing that with the not only the administration that is right now, that is the administration currently in office, that's exactly what's taking place, the Biden administration. But that has been going on in Democratic administrations and some Republican administrations reaching all the way back in the 1990s, 1980s, 1970s, where these ideas began to be ingrained in the ruling elite. They want the system to collapse. And that's our responsibility, Maurice Strong said, to bring that about. How about Bruce Babbitt? Bruce Babbitt was brought up as a Catholic. He was the former Secretary of the Interior. He said, endangered species is the wedge for imposing a new land ethic that compares land ownership to slaves and involves discarding that concept of property, trying to find a different understanding of the landscape. Bruce Babbitt, he was at one time the governor of Arizona. What does he say? We've got to get rid of the concept of private property. That's exactly what's taking place right now under the rubric, under the umbrella of the environmental movement. Well, there's so many more that can be said upon about this. Peter Burrell, for example, National Audubon Society, we reject the idea of private property. And they have turned to, just like the Canaanite religion of old, to worshiping Canaanite deities. They even have temples of understanding, places of worship. It's a coven of Neo-Canaanites 
That's what's taking place in our country right now. That's why we are seeing an attack upon the Bible from the administration. We're seeing an attack upon the Bible from the Democratic Party entirely because they bought into a Canaanite religion. It's a neo-Canaanite religion of the green gospel of environmentalism. That's what's happening in our country. 